out there in podcast land. You have set your dial to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first best and only all-encompassing Combat Sports podcast. I am your host, the Rhino. Holy fucking shit, my friends. That's all I got to say for last night, dude. Last night's UFC Las Vegas Apex 4, whatever you want to call it. The, first of all, the card delivered. That's first off. Second of all, that main event, top 10 fights I've ever seen, maybe top six or seven. I mean, my God, Poirier and Hooker just went to war. So our schedule as it stands today is I'm going to go over my fight recaps from last night's UFC card. We're going to have Drea's drop of the night. Uh, we're also going to have an awesome fan Q&A, both from Twitter and from voice questions from the Rhino gang, gang, gang. And then I've got a great interview today with rising UFC bantamweight randy the zohan costa and he goes 10 rounds with rhino so stay tuned for that so let us dive right in for ufc fight night poirier versus hookers recap in the prelims we got my man jordan griffin uh going against yusef zalal very close tough grinding fight i gave jordan i gave jordan the first round because he had lots of back control uh yusef zalal at just 23 really did a great job in the second and the third. I gave him both of those. Um, again, Zalal, being so young, is a really hot prospect because if you can beat someone like Jordan Griffin, who's a veteran, who's a very talented guy, uh, you really have an upward trajectory. So good on you, Seth. Uh, Jordan Griffin, former combat sports with Rhino, 10-round uh, interviewee. Love the guy. I know he'll be back. Uh, next, we moved on to Kay Hansen versus Jin Yu Frey, or Fry, I should say. Uh, both of these ladies got the call up, uh, former Invicta, Jin Yu Fry, former Invicta Adamweight champion. But both of these ladies were going uh, at 115. Kay Hansen is just 20 years old, dude. I think that was the biggest thing that should stand out for everybody is that as 20 years old, she was able to shake off Jin Yu Fry's great first round and take control in the second. Uh, as soon as Hansen got good top control and she landed some good ground and pound. Uh, that was in the second. And in the third, the, you know, <laughs> something about Kay Hansen is just different, dude. You know, sometimes you can just kind of look at somebody fighting and you're like, okay, she really withstood the storm. She did a great job against another veteran. She got an arm bar in the third round. It was just, it was a great finish when she started off with such adversity and to come back at just 20 years old. Fantastic. Looking forward to seeing what's next for her. Uh, then, so this might be a little out of order, but I'm just going to kind of go and just, just go with it. Okay. Uh, I've got Takashi Sato versus Jason Witt. Uh, Sato dropped Witt early, dude. Beautiful left hook, followed up with, with some ground and pound. I mean, dude, what a finish for Sato very early. And the thing about Jason Witt, the only thing that really stands out for me is he legitimately looks like a perfect hybrid between Jake the Juggernaut Ellenberger and Paul the Irish Dragon Felder. Legitimately, look at him again, and you tell me that I'm wrong. So great job for Takashi Sato. Uh, moving on to our feature prelim, we've got Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena versus Kama Worthy. Now, again, I'd pick Bob Ross to win this. Violent Bob Ross is a well-rounded, very tall for the division, 155er, where he gets Kama Worthy. Dude, good back and forth, good action in, in the first round. I get first round of Kama Worthy. The second, I gave it early to early takedown for Pena, lots of sub attempts. So I definitely gave the second round to Violent Bob Ross. And then, dude, in the third, good exchanging. I'm a worthy, um, you know, took 
took took took him down and submitted him. I couldn't believe it, dude. Kama Worthy showed out last night on the crowd. He got the sub. I was so impressed. So big win for Kama Worthy over Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena. Still love you, buddy. I know you'll be back. Um, I'm gonna go next with my my favorite knockout, obviously, of the night. The big boys, Tanner Bosser versus Felipe Linz. Holy shit. Overhand right led to a huge combo. Bosser, the Canadian, took the Brazilian out, dude. First round KO. God dang, I loved it. There's been a lot of heat and a lot of static. And I'm not saying not rightfully so about my boys in the heavyweight division, but that was a great fucking finish in the heavyweight division. Exciting, fast. I loved it. Way to go, Tanner, man. That was awesome. So uh, moving into Sean Woodson versus Julian uh, Erosa. This was, man, a tale of a tale of two halves, really. Sean Woodson came out as slick as can be, dude. Throwing his hands around, pot-shotting, beautiful jabs. But Julian was not going to be fucking denied. So great first round for Woodson. The striking was outstanding. The second round, much better from Erosa. Um, it closed out the second. Then it was a left hook by Woodson, which dropped Erosa early. But again, he kept coming forward like a goddamn Terminator, dude. In the third round, uh, two takedowns by Erosa, and on the second, uh, kind of putting kind of a, a kind of a darts choke. You know what I'm saying? And Woodson taps, giving him his first loss in the UFC. Erosa, I believe, was like one in three or one in four in the UFC coming into this fight. But man. What toughness he put on his play. So great job by Julian. And again, Sean Woodson, only eight fights in his youth career. He'll be back, dude. He is a he's a badass. So that was a catch weight of 150 yesterday. Uh, moving our way into Brendan Allen versus Kyle Duhaus. Uh, you want to talk about an even matchup and a great fight. This was it, dude. These guys came in both at 185, same height, same weight, same fight, and everything. They looked like mirror image of each other. Um, I definitely the first move for to Brandon Allen. He opened up a huge shot with an elbow over Kyle's eye. I thought Kyle clearly dominated the third round, which I don't know what judge gave it 30-27, but that was a flipping ridiculous score as Kyle clearly won the third. But I gave the first two to Brendan. He won the fight by UD. That was the right call, right move. And uh, good, good on both of these guys. It was a really fun fight. Lots of beautiful scrambles. So if you were a ground fighter or a I really even enjoyed that one even more. Uh, moving our way to John Vellante going up heavyweight to fight the giant crochet boss, Maurice Green. I love Maurice Green, dude. I always have. Uh, John Vellante hadn't fought heavyweight over 10 years. He looked very thick around the middle. Um, you know, again, I don't really want to harp on guys' bodies or card too much right now, considering all the things that are going on uh, in the world. But uh, in the first round, it was kind of a kick fest. You know, they both threw a lot of leg kicks. Some body kicks. I thought Maurice landed a few more. In the second, Volante definitely was on the advantage, kicking with really hard shots. And for some reason, the crochet boss, like, would make a huh sound. Even when he got hit, he would go, huh, huh, huh. Like, <laughs> he was getting hit, which isn't good because normally your, your corner does that for you when you're on the offense. And, you know, you get a kick and they go, hey, or whatever to make it stand out more for the judges. But... He was making noises when he got it. I don't know the fucking process behind that, but yeah. And then in the third, John dropped Maurice with a big shot, uh, jumped on him, did some great ground and pound. And to Maurice's credit, dude, he hung in there. He was eating some big shots from Volante. Volante clearly gassed. Uh, I mean, Maurice Green put on, but they couldn't even fucking say for sure 
like analyze what exactly the choke was, but he put him in kind of a weird half sort of Doris headlock, weird something that made Volante tap. So big win for the crochet boss, kind of a weird, obscure choke of some sort. So yeah, that's that, that was that one. <laughs> uh, moving into Mike Perry versus Mickey Gall. This was proverbial one-way traffic. I mean, the first round, you know, it was close. Uh, Mickey actually outlanded Mike, but Mike landed the harder shots for sure. Early takedown for Perry in round two. Uh, he dropped Mickey, got on top. In the set, in the third round, Mike Perry dominated yet again. So regardless of having his girlfriend being his corner man, regardless of being in a uh, weird time in our lives, uh, not just for training, but in all, all aspects, Mike Perry, man, for all his weirdness and for all his unusual choices that he's made, uh, he clearly dominated. Now, is Mickey Gall a top-tier guy on Mike Perry's level? Clearly not. But still, you know, good on Mike Perry, and he had a really cool – I liked his interview afterwards, too. I liked um, I liked what he had to say. So, you know, maybe he's not as crazy as we all thought. So that's the uh, Mike Perry, Mickey Gall co-main. And so now, thank goodness, I can get into the main event. Holy shit. Dustin the Diamond Poirier versus Dan the Hangman Hooker. These guys have both had a bit of a layoff. What uh, a really fun first round. Both landed lots. Uh, I gave the slight edge to Dan in the first round. I thought he got a few more harder shots off, but they were both swinging, right? Second round. Holy shit, what a round, okay? Again, both guys just swinging, really blasting each other. Both guys got bloodied up. Uh, again, I gave the slight edge to Dan Hooker in this one, and I was starting to get pretty nervous. Third round. Dustin lands. Really hard shots. Dan does too, but I, I gave it, it was really close. The third round is the most debatable, right? I thought it was pretty clearly Hooker in one and two. The third round really could have gone either way. And then the fourth round, man, Dustin Poirier was going for sub attempts. He was, had beautiful ground and pound. He was definitely in control in the third. I'm sorry, in the fourth. And then more, more of the same in the fifth. D Dustin really showed the signs of a former champion of really being able to push in the fifth, whereas Dan seemed to really slow down and uh, Dustin Poirier clearly won the fifth. So again, I get Poirier three, four and five, but I can see a case for a third round being really, really close and definitely gave Hooker first and second. This fight was one of those fights where you are proud to be a MMA fan. You are proud to be a combat sports person. You are proud to be affiliated or associated with this sport because they get believe, uh, you know, believe us, we know that oftentimes the sport gives us reasons to kind of put our faces to the ground. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, really? They said that, did that, whatever. Dude, last night's main event, Horier and Poirier, Poirier and Hooker. My God. I mean, kudos to both. You, you, you gentlemen put it out there. I mean, what a beautiful fight. Definitely a fight of the year candidate. I know. Um, I know Zhang and, and JJ had a phenomenal one earlier too. The Emmett. Burgos fight was unbelievable, but dude, with all the stakes and with the level of competition and everything else being said, this one has got to be in the, in the running. So phenomenal night of fights last night. I can't say enough about it. It was, it was fucking awesome, you know? And then look at the accuracy of Dustin Poirier, dude. He landed 76% of his significant strikes. I don't know the last time I've saw that or if I've ever seen it besides, you know, maybe lower level talent, dude. It was just incredible. Uh, outlanded Dan, 222 to 182. So, again, great fight. Kudos to both guys. You fucking rock it. So, let's now give our dear friend Drea a call. I've got some cool Twitter questions. And also, we got to find out Drea's drop of the night. So, D-Rains, why don't we give Drea a call now, buddy? 
And now, ladies and gentlemen, this week we've got one of our favorite features on the show. We've got our dear friend, Drea, uh, Drea underscore MMA on Twitter. Uh, definitely the the Drea top of the night is a great one this week, Drea. So what did you pick for Drea's weekly drop of the night? Oh, my God. I literally couldn't decide who I wanted to go with. So I actually reached out on Twitter last night and did late night. A little poll. Um, in the poll, I put um, Bozer and Sato. Those were both really good drops that I thought. I mean, I just really couldn't decide between the two. But um, after the Twitter poll results came in, uh, turns out it was a 63% for Bozer. So Dre's drop of the night is going to go to Bozer for that overhand right that that just kind of knocked him silly and then he threw a flurry of strikes that put him down on the ground and he was out cold so yeah last night's drop of the night's gonna go to tanner bozer it's always hard to go against someone who really goes out cold (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah what a huge shot he was stretched dude he was full zombie he was out out so yeah that's a great pick i fully co-signed on that tanner bosser from up in canada which uh, you know, they they mentioned last night that he looked like he could make 205. And if you people will recall that Forrest Griffin used to weigh in the 230s um, and he cut down to 205. So Bosner might want to think about heading down to 205 if he can safely. If not, you know, put a little keep doing what you're doing, buddy. But he looked great last night. Awesome drop of the night, Drea. So let's uh, let's go ahead and ride right into our Twitter questions. I know the first one comes from our dear friend from Amsterdam via Italy, our boy Antonio Pineda. What did he have this week? Hey, my brother. What is next for Dustin? A fight against Tony or the loser from Habib versus Gaethje or maybe a rematch against Connor? Because I don't believe he is retired, hope that's a good one. Big hug for you and my sweet sister. Oh, Antonio, big hug back for me, Andrea, buddy. We love you so much over here at CSWR. Yeah, dude, I 100% agree with you. I think it should be Tony or if Connor would come back, I would love to see Dustin be able to avenge his loss, the early loss. Do you remember he took the left, the left shot behind his ear when they fought at 145 against Connor? I would love to see Dustin be able to get that one back at 155, where I think he's far more comfortable and far more suited uh, than being at 145. Tony, that that would be a good fight too. And again, Tony's not retired, so I mean, I guess that makes a little bit more sense, but. I, I love I love Dustin and I like Tony a lot too. So I would want to see that one. I definitely would veer towards. I would love to see Connor come back and fight Dustin at 155 in a main event in five rounds. I absolutely would love to see that. So that's what I hope is next for him. I don't think that you know he's going to wait for the the loser of uh, Dustin and Justin. I don't, I'm Dustin and Justin of Justin and Habib. I, I just don't see it being that long of a of a hiatus for him so yeah tony but connor would be my first choice so thank you antonio hope you're staying safe out there in europe my brother and i know our next one drea comes from cyrus king at cyrus king the king of twitter food porn what does he have for us this week do you think mike perry's victory with his girlfriend in his corner more has to do with the quality of his opponent mickey gall is barely ufc material in my opinion yeah, probably, dude. I, I think Mike felt uh, extremely confident going in against someone like Mickey Gall, and I know he really wanted to make a statement, right? So it was it was bigger than Mickey Gall. It was bigger than Mike. Mike wanted this statement of, I could still beat most guys, or at least guys who I think are below my level, 
without having any corner man giving me, you know, I think he said in the post-fight interview, giving him bad advice or not telling him anything or doing anything or earning the money that he's paying them. So I think it was all a point that he was just trying to make and hammer home. And he made it. You know what I mean? He's clearly above the level of what Mickey Gall is. Is Mickey Gall going to get cut? I don't know. I think they might let him have one more shot. He's definitely not going to be a co-main event anytime soon. But I think they might let him have another shot on the prelims against another kind of upcomer. you got to remember, Mickey Gall, almost his entire career has been in the UFC. Uh, he's got wins over people you didn't think like Sage Northcutt. Uh, but he's got losses to like Diego Sanchez. It's just... You know, the kid's really early in his career still, and he's kind of got thrown into the fire really fast. Again, I, I think it would behoove him to step away, maybe for the UFC, let him go, him fight on a smaller promotion, get his feet back underneath him, maybe get some confidence back, because he sure did not look like he was enjoying those exchanges last night. He looked scared. I mean, I gave him the first round, but, man, the second and the third, he got steamrolled. So, yeah, I think that was part of it. And, again, Mike Perry had a great – post fight interview when he brought up a lot of good points. So like I said earlier in the show, I think maybe Mike Perry isn't, uh, isn't as crazy as we all think he might be. So, but I do hope he stops saying racist stuff that that would be great for everybody, including you, Mike. So, uh, thank you so much, Cyrus. We, we love you so much, buddy. Uh, next moved into a new writer, a new person asking the question this week. We got my boy, Ash, uh, at Ash Weenie, the fight forecaster. And what does he have for us this week, Drea? In your opinion, how late is too late to completely revamp your style as a fighter? I feel like Overeem has done it so late in his career, but will someone like Usman benefit from working with Whitman? And if so, how long would it take for results to show? I'm just using these fighters as examples. I'm more interested in the general point. Yeah, dude, that's a great question. For me, it's never too late to revamp your style, right? So there are guys who started their careers as really good grapplers, but then kind of transitioned into better strikers. There are guys who've done the opposite, who were, were you know, great strikers who then turned into more grapplers, GSP being an example later in his career. There's a lot of factors that go into that, right? Age. When you get older and you've already taken a lot of damage, a lot of fights, you're going to change your style. You're not going to be as often to be the one who sends toe-to-toe with your opponent and just tries to swing it out, Right. Uh, injuries, injuries play a big part in your style. So if you say, uh, we're really athletic, acrobatic, fly around the ring, tons of footwork guy. And then, you know, you have a couple of knee reconstructive surgeries or you blow out a hip or something and your mobility isn't good. And, and you have a hard time, you know, moving around a lot. You're going to be a more slow plotting cerebral type of fighter, right? So an injury could have a big fucking difference in how you fought at one point of your career or how you fought the latter part of your career. Uh, camp switches are another big example of what guys do. So if you, let's say you started out for like five years with one coach who was very, had a very specific style, you know what I mean? Like, a, like a Greg Jackson where, you know, there's all the calf kicks and there's, you know, they, they fight oftentimes in a very style that's very similar to one another then you move this to a different camp they might totally revamp how you're fighting uh another reason is like the wins and losses dude like the bare bones about it if you are doing it a certain way and you get four or five wins and then boom you get a loss and a loss and a loss you've really got to reconsider how you are fighting your approach how you are breaking down film all the things that lead into a fight you need to adjust and change because you are doing some things that are wrong, right? So, yeah, definitely there's a lot of factors that can go into wanting to change your style and your approach um, throughout your career. So, yeah, I don't think it's too late to do that. 
you know, some guys are too stuck in one thing. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see Gunny Nelson, you know, ditch jujitsu completely, right? But I think there's a lot of guys who definitely can uh, evolve tremendously from the first part of their career to the second part, even later on um, towards the end of their career. So, great question, Ash. Thanks so much for asking me, buddy. And uh, so, Drea, those are our three Twitter questions. But I have a question for you. Tell me when you are ready. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Okay. If if the Rhino decides not to retire and I decide to take one more fight after the COVID-19 is over and I get back to training, Trey, will you be my corner person and hold ice on my neck? <laughs> and hold you ice have, on my neck. And just you have no idea. Here. You have no idea how good of a corner I would be for you. <laughs> I, all I need you to do is put ice <laughs> on my neck and tell me I'm doing great. Because apparently for some people, that that's really all works. you need. <laughs> that really works. That's all you need. Well, I, <laughs> I am so perfect. <laughs> I'm so glad to know that I've got my next corner person figured out. Should I? <laughs> I got your back, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Drea, once again, you killed it this week. Thank you so much for your drop of the night. Uh, take a look at Twitter later on today, folks. The, Dre will have uh, her drop of night up that you guys can check out. Very cool. She uh, she did a great job on her Twitter questions. Again, as always, thank you so much for everybody who wrote in. And Dre, thank you so much for being a part of this show week in and week out. We appreciate you very much, and we will talk to you next week. All right. See you next week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, members of the Rhino Gang, we're going to get to our voice questions this week. This week, we got three submissions. The first one comes from my dear homie, the Mixed Man, Ryan, up in Minnesota Way. And Ryan, what do you got for us this week? Bah. Rhino, Mixed Man in the house here. Hey, removing the main event, who was the walkaway star of last night? For me, it was Kay Hansen. I thought she looked incredible. She had a little bit of steam behind her coming into the fight. I don't know if I see big things for her yet, but I felt like last night was a big night for her. Wanted to get your thoughts on the matter. Peace, buddy. Dude, for sure. Kay did an outstanding job, especially A, being 20, B, being that was her UFC debut, and then C, uh, had a very adverse first round, dude. Uh, Fry did a great job in the first, and really, um, Kay had to really come back and fight her way out of it and end up getting the big win. So that was a great pick for you. For me, I got to go with Kama Worthy, dude. Violet Bob Ross is a good fighter. He's a big name. He's got comes from a big camp of top tier guys. He is huge for the division. And Kama Worthy really put on a great performance. Now that's not once, but that's now twice that coming in as the underdog. Kama Worthy beat the guy with a bigger name and all the hype that kind of surrounds him. So for me, the standout performance of last night, or the guy who probably had the biggest rise in stock. For me, it's comma worthy, man. That's uh, that's my pick for that one. So uh, yeah, definitely comma worthy for me. And Ryan, thank you very much for asking that question, my brother. I know the next one comes from my dear homie Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes, the Einstein of graphic design. And Dave, what do you got for us this week, brother? Hi, Rhino. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Got a question for you today, and actually I asked the same question of Juice on the Fighting With Myself podcast uh, because I'm really curious about it actually, just watching Mike Perry this last little bit. Um, man, this has been a strange year all around, and Mike Perry seems to fit right into that. So I'm wondering, what are the top three 
most bizarre moments of MMA. Doesn't have to be UFC, just any promotion uh, that you've witnessed. And does Mike Perry having his girlfriend corner him alone uh, fit into those top three? Anyways, man, hope you're enjoying your day. Great Sunday, beautiful weather. Amazing fights last night. So good to see Dustin win. Talk soon. Take care. <laughs> hey, Judah, the combat sports with Rhino mascot. Hope you're doing great, my little buddy. Uh, dude, it's, instead of like three bizarre moments, Dave, uh, first of all, let me preface it by saying no. I have um, Mike Perry having his girlfriend. It's weird, but definitely not in the in the grand scope of how bizarre the MMA world has been. There's lots of examples of really weird thing, really weird things happening over the years. But for me, and it's something I've seen several times, is the timeout, right? The timeout in the middle of a fight is so strange and bizarre. And I don't understand not only that it's happened once, but it's happened many times over the years. I remember old film, uh, three examples. I remember old film of a Jeremy Horn fight where he threw a, a like a spinning back kick and hit the guy in the face. And the guy literally turned to the record referee, called timeout. It was so strange. Then John McDessie in the UFC, uh, when Cowboy kicked him, he called timeout. Fucking, uh, there's in a Valley Tudo fight, a famous one. It's on YouTube. Valley Tudo fight from like five or six years ago. This Brazilian fighter was getting his ass kicked and he literally called timeout, walked to their side of the cage. The referee said, what are you doing? You can't call timeout. And then the guy hopped over and exited. Like, what the fuck, bro? You can't call a timeout in the middle of a fight. It's so strange. And it's happened so many times. It is so fucking bizarre. And yeah, that's definitely my answer on that one, brother, dude. If you guys haven't already, please check out Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes. He can put your shoes into a whole new stratosphere with his amazing graphic design. Uh, he does the, the posters for my show, and they are always fucking fire. He is so good at this, and he's such a great dude on top of that, and he's my dear friend. So thank you so much, Dave Fretz. And I know we've got uh, one more voice question, D. Reigns, coming from the homie Juice from the Funny With Myself podcast. What does Juice have for us this week? Hey, Rhino, it's Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. What's up to all the Rhino gang? And again, even the ones that have beef with me. What's up to you too? Hey man, I just want to know, what's your biggest gripe with MMA judging? And I'm not talking about the results necessarily so much as I am the system as a whole. Um, my biggest thing is the 10-point must system. I don't think it works for MMA. I feel like we may have even talked about this before, but I was thinking about it last night, uh, about people arguing over rounds over the Poirier-Hooker fight, which was fair, but if we scored the fight as a whole... I mean, maybe there's still be arguing. I mean, Emmanuel loves to argue about nothing, but um, I think the round system makes it easy to point fight, and that goes against the integrity of our sport. Anyway, love you. Love the show. Peace. Okay, Juice A, I 100% agree with you on on the point system being a 10-point plus system being far better suited for boxing than it is for MMA. That's clear as day, right? Um, I am in the camp of whoever does the most damage or has like clearly the most control of a round gets the round. So if you win clearly for four minutes and you, you know, let's say nothing amazing happens, but you're clearly winning for four and then you get a quick flash drop. Like that doesn't go to the other guy that goes to you for, for winning the first four, four minutes of the five, five minute round. So uh, for me, it's whoever has the, the longest stretch or the most damage done. 
of either damage or control in a round. That's what you get the round. I wish I had like a big plan, like a big PowerPoint presentation of here's how we fix judging, but I just don't. There, there are a lot of things that go into it. This, this would take a think tank of people who actually want to see a change and make it happen. <clears throat> We've talked about this before again, and I talked about this last week with the crippler dude. I think it's only could be advantageous to the sports evolution to have former fighters or high level coaches getting into positions of judging and of refereeing. Does that automatically make you a better judge or referee? Of course not. But I think it's going to help, particularly guys who um, go through all the courses that you need to take. So they've been there and they're taking the courses. They're going to have a better view of where a fight is going and how a round should be scored. So again, I don't know the exact answer, but for me, that's the start. Former fighters or high-level coaches getting into those positions of judges and officials, referees, if you will, that's going to make a big change in the right direction. So thank you so much for your submission this week, brother. Love you back. Love your show. Guys, check out Fighting With Myself podcast. And uh, definitely Juice is my homie. So we are now going to go into our fantastic interview with my man, Randy Costa, the Zohan, UFC bantamweight stud, up, 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 upward trajectory on this kid, coming off his win over Boston Salmon. Couldn't have had a more fun time talking to him. Super nice dude. Really funny. Great, great Northeastern accent, which we know everybody loves. And uh, really, really insightful. So, Dave Reigns, without further ado, let's jump into our interview. Randy Costa, 10 rounds with Rhino. Fight fans, we are fortunate enough today to have rising star of what is arguably the toughest division in the entire UFC, uh, the Bantamweight division. We've got ourselves the Zohan. Randy Costa, how are you today, my friend? What's up, man? I appreciate you having me on. I'm doing all right today. Just, just, just living. Just living. Well, that's all we can ask for some days, isn't it, brother? So uh, we are stoked to have you on Combat Sports with Rhino today. So basically, Randy, what, what I almost always lead off with when I'm interviewing a fighter is round one is where we find out how, like, the beginnings of your MMA career. So how did you even get into the sport of MMA originally? I mean, this whole thing was a complete accident. I never had any goals or aspirations or dreams or anything like that to ever to ever become a fighter or anything like that. Uh, I'd never never been in a street fight, never hit anyone out, outside a sanctioned environment. Um, I was put in um, like traditional martial arts like every other kid, um, you know, to learn, to learn some discipline. And then it, it kind of all became history, man. This whole thing's an accident. Like I said, I never, this never was on the, on the life plan. That's for sure. But I, I'm living in it and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, dude, sometimes happy accidents are the best things in the world. Um, so <laughs> I have to get, be careful with that statement. <laughs> happy accidents, happy accidents. <laughs> so, dude, I first of all, I love the nickname, the Zohan. When, where, how did you come across this nickname? How'd you get it? Uh, it was actually my first pro fight. Um, the, 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 the announcer for the, the local show that I was fighting for, Cage Titans, his name is Andy Kurzonkowski, and, and he said he was going to call me this ridiculous nickname. And I was like, yeah, bullshit, dude, like, whatever, I'm going to wait for you to call it. And then, you know, I, he was announcing my name, and he, and he said it. And, you know, you can see during the announcement I'm chuckling because it's fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, I had no idea that he, I had no idea what the nickname was going to be. He just told me it was going to be something kind of funny, kind of stupid. 
Um, but you know, if you break it down, it, it's it kind of hits the nail on the head. The the Zohan, the movie is it's it's a ridiculous fucking movie, and I'm a ridiculous person. Um, the Zohan in in the movie, you know, takes a lot of pride in his hair. I take a lot of pride in my hair. Um, oh. He had he has these fucking insane stupid kicks that don't make any sense. I have these insane stupid kicks that don't make any sense. So I mean, you know, the, the shoe fits, so I'm wearing it. It's, it's, it's a fun it's a funny nickname. I never want to be known as like the fucking the killer or the savage i want a stupid nickname and that's what i was gifted with well dude that sounds perfect to me i i honestly believe you i hope at some point that you put on the side of one of your water bottles in the cage fizzy bubble up because i think that <laughs> it's like i'm throwing foot i throw foot uppercuts fucking every single fight so. why are you calling me mustafa that's not my name yeah uh, <laughs> so dude uh the northeast where you're from is as a whole the boston area but the whole surrounding area has produced so many great fighters, not just in boxing, like the historical um, boxing guys like Marciano and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, but so many guys in MMA. Why do you think your particular region of the country is such a hotbed for producing fighters? Because it's cold and fucking miserable. That's why. That's the, <laughs> that's the only that's the only reason I have it. I mean, it's 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 all toughness in in uh, in, in that area. Uh, I mean, you look at like New York and 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 Boston, uh, or New York City and Boston. You have the you know the Irish mob, the Italian mob. You know, tough, tough, gritty dudes. Uh, and I, and, you know, it sounds silly, man, but I, I really think it's because because you know the weather. Um, you know, you have you have six months out of the year where you can't really, or you know, four months out of the year where you can't really go and play outside and play outdoor sports. So you kind of you kind of forced to indoor sports. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a I'm a five foot eight white kid. I think my basketball dreams went out the window pretty fast. Um, you know that. So that that's you you, you can kind of develop like a really tough mentality when when you're faced with these cold, miserable conditions when it's gray. You know, four months out of the year. Um, so man, I, I think I think the weather definitely has a big play in it. That that that's what I would say. Hey, you're talking to somebody who's born and bred in Michigan, so I can completely relate to that. I <laughs> can theory completely, dude. Um, so Boston, the Boston Salmon win was the um, was your first win in the UFC. Can you kind of walk us through what that experience was like in that fight? Man, it's still it's still not real to me. It's still so surreal and so beyond yeah. any of any of my my wildest dreams. You know that that fight was in the Garden. You know the Garden is the place that I used to go watch the Celtics with my father. Like I never sure. I never expected to be fucking you know, competing and having the, 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 the fans in that arena going there for me. You know, I, I got a huge ovation there and it fucking, it was just madness. And then, you know, add that on top of, you know, fighting on the same card as Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon's the one who got me into MMA. He opened the, his gym open to me. You know, he got me into the UFC. He's been my coach, mentor, friend, brother, you know, and, and, and to fight, you know, I walked in that gym and I never expected to even like, you know, fight in the same league as him. You know, never mind share the same night and, you know, essentially open up the show for him. It was just so fucking surreal. And then, you know, Boston was a very formidable, formidable opponent. He had a ton of hype coming off contender series, um, all this high level boxing. He boxed Errol Spence Jr. in the Nationals. You know, he was a multiple time state champ wrestler in Hawaii. You know, this guy was a he was a fucking fighter. He was a savage. He had a ton of hype coming off contender. That boy can fight. You know, crafty southpaws, southpaw, super powerful guy. I essentially went out there and beat him at his own game. You know, I, I went in. I, I might not have a lot of experience, but you, you know, if I if, if Randy Costa's fight and it's gonna be a good fight, it's gonna be an entertaining fight. I throw up there, I fucking throw bombs. That's all there is to it. 
I could fight my own shadow and it's going to be a good fight. You know, it's going to, I'm going to make sure that it's a good show. And I think that was the perfect fight, the perfect opportunity, the perfect night. You know, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. And you know, that was, that was one of those things where you thought too, like, uh, you know, we've all seen Boston Samuel fight before. And you're right. He is a very well-rounded, very tough guy. And you fucking took it to him, which was just an outstanding performance on your part, which was when you really first became on my radar. I was like, Oh shit. Look at this kid. And in reference to your man, uh, Joe Lozon, I had Devin Powell on a couple weeks ago. Okay. And, and so, you know, Joe inadvertently ruptured Devin's testicle. <laughs> yeah, he sure, he sure fucking did. <laughs> we so that Every time I hear Joe Lozon, for all these last decade, I just think of him as the fighter. Now I think of him, unfortunately, as the nut crusher. So, yeah, he's uh, a... <laughs> He, he's he's a ball buster, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, no sure. shit. He's the only one who can actually live up to that name. So, sure. uh, so dude, we talked about we talked about the Zohan movie a little bit. What when it's like relaxing time, dude? When it's relaxing, chill time. Training's done. You got a day off. You're just gonna chill. What are some of the things you like to do? Are you a movie guy? Are you a video game guy? What's uh, what is the what does the Zohan do on a day off? Dude, I I am like the the opposite of. You know, I was the opposite of any kid growing up. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how to play fucking video games. I never owned my own system. I never will own my own system. I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. I don't do fucking anything besides literally work out. You know, like, that's not that's not a lie. That's not, I don't just chill. Like, I, I don't, you know, I, I love running. I love, love swimming. I love being active, riding bikes, skating, every, anything fitness related that's going to get me moving. I'm going to do it. You know, when I, when I was saying that this whole thing was an accident with fighting, I really and truly meant that. I, I took my first fight on two weeks' notice just because, you know, the opportunity was there. You know, prior – my first pro fight, I took my, my, my first pro fight about a month notice. That was a complete accident. About a month and a half before that, I ran a marathon. About, a, you know, two weeks before that, I ran a half marathon. I just love working out, man. That's really all I fucking do is work out. That, that's it. I'm fucking boring. I go to the beach and I work out. <laughs> that's totally fair, dude. Everybody's got their own thing, and you've got one of those motors that doesn't want to quit. You're probably somebody who, if you are sitting around for too long, you, you get antsy and you don't want to be doing it. So I completely understand. Totally, totally cool, dude. And, uh, you know, in, in the long run, that's going to help you because no matter what, you're improving on your cardio every second of every day, which is fantastic. So, uh, Randy, switching gears a little bit, you've got a long history with the Cage Titans promotion, even going back to your AMI days. For, for my listeners who don't know, this is a top-tier regional promotion that has been almost a feeder into the bigger organizations uh, all, all the way through since its inception. Um, what can you kind of tell us about your experience with Cage Titans? I cannot say enough good things about Cage Titans. You know, the the, 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 the owner, Mike Polbert, he's the, he's the fucking man, you know? I'm not the most experienced guy in the world in the MMA world, but I've obviously been to a, a lot of MMA shows. And I, I tell you, man, aside from obviously the UFC, there's no other there's no other promotion that takes care of his fighters like Cage Titans does. You know, it, it's truly one of those things. If you're if you're an upcoming guy, if you're you know an amateur guy, if you're a you know a newer pro guy, no newer pro guy or an experienced pro guy, or someone who's not in not in the UFC yet, you know, this is one of the shows that you want to fucking fight for. I'm telling you, this guy goes above and beyond for you know for for the guys that he brings on to his show. You know, you have these promoters and they're they're just businessmen. Mike Polver, the owner of Cage Titans, before he owned a promotion, he was a fighter himself. So he knows what fighters want, what fighters don't want, what's going to pick up, piss a fighter off, what they need on fight night, this, that, the other thing. I'm telling you, man, I cannot say enough good things about Cage Titans. And that, you know, that, that, that's the only, I fought on one more local show, but 
man, that that's that that's the show. That's the show in the Northeast. Definitely, dude. And again, I, I I've asked that question before to other guys who've come through, and that has absolutely been the overriding sentiment of everybody is what a great promotion to fight for. So big ups and big shout out to uh, to Cage Titans. So, uh, Randy, there is – I always try to include – my listeners know. The Rhino Gang knows. <laughs> I always try to include at least one food question in my 10 rounds with Rhino. So, if you have your druthers and you get, you know, like the, the best cheat meal that you could possibly have, and it doesn't matter if you're cutting weight or off-season or whatever, but just your favorite fucking meal to go to when it's time to, like, indulge a little bit, what are you going with? Dude, I, I don't eat, like – you won't catch me eat a pizza or a cheeseburger – but dude, if you put a fucking peanut butter cup in front of me, I'm gonna die. I, I'm not, <laughs> dude. I'm I am not lying to you. I am not. It's the first thing I have when I get off the scale. It's the first thing I have after a fight, dude. I'm telling. You, I swim in these fucking things. I love. I could take a. I could take a legit bath in fucking peanut butter, dude. Like, I'm not lying. I am not lying to you. Now there is an image, my friend. Um, yeah, dude. I used to love those too. I I had Chris leave it on last week and. Uh, we talked about diet and things like that a little bit. You know, he, 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 he's real clean and stuff, but he did say, you know, there's a couple things that he likes to have and indulge in. And I also, I've been dieting down major. I've lost 37 pounds in the last fucking six weeks. And like the thing on my cheat day that I for sure, like a sweet thing that I for sure want to go to is, is, is a chocolate brownie, dude. I need one okay. chocolate brownie and that'll, that'll catapult me into the next week of working out and dieting down. But I could totally see peanut butter cups because those are fucking tremendous <laughs> i totally co on that dude there's nothing better <laughs> oh god they're so good have you ever tried to freeze them i used to freeze mine and they were fucking insane good dude do you think i'm a fucking rookie come on <laughs> <laughs> my bad dude you know what that's my bad i should have thought ahead come on I, i'm talking to the expert of peanut butter cups after yeah said you froze them. that's my fault dude i take full <laughs> i take full responsibility on that um so, dude, we have we have careened our way. We are rocking and rolling. It's already been almost 17 minutes. I know it only feels like two because these fly by so fast. But we have careened our way into the 10th round with Rhino. This is a wild card round, Randy, where anything could happen. And I think you're just the guy who's up for it. So you have been given the opportunity to have your very own small country. It's been bequeathed to you. Some distant relative left to you. You got your own country. You got to start over from scratch there. Okay. It is a paradise. So people want it, but it's yours. So it needs to be protected. You've got to pick five fighters. They could be current or former, any genre of combat sports, any era. Five fighters who are going to be the high protector of cost of, of we'll call it cost of land, I guess. So your own country, five fighters who are going to protect the entire country. Who are you picking? So five fighters that are going to protect the entire country. That's well, right. I have Small to have country. Nate, <laughs> I have to have Nate and Nick Diaz. All right, Diaz brothers. I have to have both the Diaz brothers. I have to have Masvidal. All right. Um, so that's that's three. Who else is going to be on my dream team? Uh, I, pro- I probably want to have John Jones on that, honestly, because that that boy, he, you want him on your side, and if something goes down, you know, he can. He he's he's obviously a a very well kept guy right now, but I mean, it's obviously very evident that he has, you know, a a, a dirty side. That's someone that you want on your side. So the the Jones, the Diaz brothers, Jones, Masvidal, and yep. I have one more. One yeah, more. Yeah, one, one more slot. One more slot to fill. Okay, I'm probably gonna go. Fuck, maybe Cerrone because he has okay. he he has he has a, a he has a lot of firepower. Um, 
he knows how to how to make it work. He has a lot of diving, so I can have I can have food, right? Because I can get some fish on my island. Absolutely. Um, he knows how to ride horses, so we can escape if anything goes wrong. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> so I, I probably I probably have the two Diaz brothers and Masvidal somewhere on the corner or on on the edges. I'd have Cerrone inland kind of with me and John Jones kind of going back and forth. Oh, dude, there's there's a lineup you could absolutely uh, get started with a a a, a super special secretive power security force to protect the island dude so no i think that's a great fucking calling there's a great idea uh john jones of course would be somebody that i would put on my list as well Cerrone, besides chuck liddell is my favorite fighter of all time so absolutely again once again i got a co-sign on you with that one so randy you have just careened through you have knocked out you have gone all 10 rounds with rhino you killed it you showed everybody that fucking the northeast ain't nothing to fuck with yet again we are so appreciative for you having on. And uh, do we have any clues? Have you been in talks? Do you have any idea about when the next time we can see you in the cages? We're, I was told August, September. So we're getting ready and we'll see what happens. Fuck yes. We are all going to be tuning in. It's going to be awesome. And again, man, thank you so much for being on Combat Sports with Rhino. And we will absolutely talk to you soon, brother. Fuck yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm Randy Costa, and I just, I just won 10 rounds with the Rhino. You all may get tired of me saying it, but I'm never going to get tired of saying it myself. I love going 10 rounds with these fighters, man. It is so much fun. It is so great to get to know guys who you watch on TV, kind of get their backstory, ask some questions where we get to know their personality better. It was so fun. And thank you so much, Randy, for being such a great interviewee, dude. That was that was awesome, dude. And yes, who knew about the peanut butter cups? And of course, I'm mildly embarrassed that I even asked, have you ever frozen one before? Because I was talking to the expert at peanut butter cups. <laughs> but that is truly awesome. I miss them since I've been on my uh, extreme diet over the last six weeks. I miss chocolate and peanut butter, to be honest with you. So thank you so much, dude. Can't wait to see what's next for you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully sometime very soon we can watch Randy back in the cage again and watch the Zohan get another win. So to all of the Rhino Gang members who called or left questions via Twitter this week, Juice, Dave Fretz, Ryan, the Mixed Demand, Ash, Cyrus, and Antonio, thank you so much, guys. Thank you to everybody else um, for, for listening this week, for tuning in. D. Reigns, my, my awesome engineer. Drea, for your drop of the night, your Twitter question reading. You are an essential part of this show, and at least now I know who my next corner person is going to be should I decide to return to the pro ring. So that's a good weight off my shoulders. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in and for being a part of the show every week. Thank you for all your love on Twitter. You guys are the, you guys are the best. So big, big love to everybody. And we will not have a fucking card this coming weekend, but we will still have a show. And don't you worry, we got something special planned for you. So we will definitely see you next week. Kate Sound.